Canon announces its first RF mount portrait lens. Canon and Nikon both are offering savings on their mirrorless full-frame bodies, and Nikon and Sony have released new firmware for their camera systems. All this on episode 19 of the Liam Photography Podcast. Everybody, this is Liam Douglas again with the Liam Photography Podcast. You're listening to episode 19. So on May 8th, Canon unveiled the RF 35mm f1.2L, its first portrait lens for the new RF mount on the EOS R and RP full-frame mirrorless bodies. The new standard prime lens is the first one to pack Canon's proprietary blue spectrum refractive optics technology, which greatly reduces chromatic aberration in faster lenses. According to Canon, the BR optical element first introduced in the EF35 1.4L Mark II is inserted into the lens and refracts blue light between the concave and convex lenses. Canon says this enables the convergence of the entire wavelength of light to one point resulting in higher image quality from the center to the edges of the frame. Features and specs of the RF85 1.2L include a minimum focusing distance of 2.79 feet or 0.85 meters, a customizable control ring for adjusting exposure compensation, shutter speed, aperture, or ISO, a 12-pin communication system, dust and weather-resistant sealing, fluorine coating for resisting smudges, and air sphere coating that reduces flare and ghosting. Now, this new lens is supposed to be released in June of 2019 at a cost of $2,700. Now, if you may remember, I've talked about the RF lenses for Canon's EOS R and RP in previous episodes, and I'm still trying to grapple with the idea that some of the lenses they release for the RF mount are just ridiculously more expensive than their EF cousins. If you remember, I mentioned before that the RF 50mm 1.2L is $1,000 more than the EF 50mm 1.2L. The 28-70 F2 is about $1,300 more expensive than the 24-70 F2.8 in the EF mount. And now we have the same thing with the RF 85mm 1.2L portrait lens. This lens is running for about $1,300 or $1,400, most more expensive than the Mark II version of the EF mount 85mm portrait lens. Now I'm trying to get some, I've been trying to get some information from Canon on why their pricing is so all over the place. Uh, and the reason why I say that is if you remember from the previous episode, the RF 35mm 1.8 ISSTM lens is the same price as their EF 35mm F2 IS lens. And the same is true with the 24 to 105 F4L IS lens. The RF version of that lens has 
better glass, makes better images than even the Mark II of the EF mount, and yet they sell for the same price. So I'm still not sure why Canon is going ridiculously more expensive on some of the L lenses, and then other lenses in the RF mount, they're selling for the same price as their EF cousins. Now, I did send an email yesterday to one of the executives at Canon USA, and I'm waiting to hear back from him on that, and I'm hoping maybe even to possibly uh, get him to do a brief interview on the show and talk about Canon's thoughts on the pricing model for these particular lenses. Now, some good news for anybody out there that's a current Canon or Nikon shooter, and you've been debating whether or not you should pull the trigger and buy their mirrorless full-frame offerings. You have the Nikon Z6 and Z7, as well as I mentioned the Canon EOS R and RP. Well, Nikon has announced, as of May 3rd, price drops for what they call Capture the Savings sales event. Now, this will allow you to get into one of their new Z mirrorless full-frame bodies at a significant price break. Nikon will be providing several special offerings on the innovative Nikon Z-mount system, including up to $600 instant savings on the Nikon Z7 and $200 instant savings on the Z6. So now would be a good time if you're a Nikon shooter to grab one of these two bodies and save yourself a little bit of coin in the process. I think it's a great thing. Uh, a lot of people complained when Nikon released the Z6 and Z7 that the Z7 especially was priced kind of out of range with everybody else. The Z6 was selling for $19.99, so now you can get that for $200 off. You can get it for $17.99, and at $19.99, it's on par with the pricing for the Sony and the Canon offerings. But the Z7 was retailing for $3,500 which is a significant amount of money, especially when it doesn't have all of the capabilities that the Sony mirrorless full frames have for less money. So these price breaks on the Nikon Z systems, I think are really awesome. Now the price breaks do also apply to certain Nikkor lenses, as well as some of their Coolpix point and shoot cameras. You can get the Nikon D850 also for $300 off at either Adorama or B&H. The Coolpix P900 is $100 off. The D3400 with the 18-55 to VR kit is $100 off. The Nikon D500 body only is $200 off. The Nikkor 50mm f1.4G is $40 off. And the Nikon 24-70 f2.8G is currently $350 off. So that's a great time. Like I said, it's a great time to pick up any of these items that you might have been kind of on the fence about, especially if you want to transition from shooting Nikon DSLR to Nikon mirrorless full frame. Now's the time to, to make that plunge. Now, in addition to the sale that Nikon is currently offering, Canon has also announced price drops on their ESR and RP where you, uh, customers can save up to $500 and still get the EF to RF adapter for free. Under this current sale, you can get the Canon EOS R body for $19.99, which saves you $300, plus you'll get the EF to RF adapter for free, the basic adapter, and then the Canon EOS 
R with the 24 to 105 F4LIS, you can save $500. That package bundle is currently selling for $28.99. So there, again, for cannon shooters, here's your opportunity to get into mirrorless full frame and save yourself some money. I was a little bit bummed out when I first heard about this sale because I'd already bought mine and Janice's um, EOS R's back in February, and being Canon didn't offer the sale until late April, going into May, I wasn't able to get the uh, refund on the extra money that I paid. I had inquired about it because I got my cameras through B&H, and in one of the EOS R camera groups that I'm in on Facebook, one of the other members had posted that they got a $300 rebate back from B&H because they had bought their EOS R through B&H. And it was only two weeks before Canon announced the sale. So B&H reached out to him and said, hey, we're going to send you back $300 of what you spent on your body uh, because it's been less than 30 days since you bought it. And Canon offered this price break. So B&H really takes care of their customers. They're a fantastic company to get anything camera related, video related. Uh, any kind of electronics, I believe they sell MacBooks and other electronics like that. They're just a really great company. They're located in New York City, and I've done a lot of business with B&H. And Adorama, don't get me wrong, Adorama is a great company as well. They're headquartered out of California, and they offer a lot of fantastic deals on photography and videography, cameras, lenses, and accessories. So definitely check out either one of those next time you want to buy something for your camera or for your videography hobby. Now, the next item I wanted to touch on, as of today, Canon has, or Nikon, excuse me, has announced new firmware for the D850, the D7500, and the D5600. The D850 firmware update version 1.10 offers the following. The camera now supports direct Wi-Fi connections to devices running SnapBridge. For more information on that, you can see the addendum to the user's manual in which this feature is described. Before using this feature, upgrade to the following version of the app, SnapBridge version 2.5.4 or later. This firmware also fixed the issue where the camera sometimes had trouble focusing on subjects in the focus points at the edge of the frame. For the Nikon D7500, the 1.10 firmware update now also supports direct Wi-Fi connections to devices running SnapBridge, just like with the D850, the same uh, refer to the addendum to the user's manual in which the feature is described. And you must, of course, update your SnapBridge version to 2.5.4 or later. Now for the D7500, the firmware also fixes the following issues. If the mode dial was rotated from P to U1 and then back to P, ISO sensitivity would be set to the value selected for U1. Repeatedly pressing the zoom in and zoom out buttons during movie live view would cause unexpected behavior when 3840 by 2160 30 frames per second was selected for the frame size and rate in the movie shooting menu. For the Nikon D5600, the firmware update version 1.1.0, same as uh, with the other two cameras, it enhances the direct Wi-Fi connection support to SnapBridge, but again, you have to have your SnapBridge version updated to 2.5.4 or later. 
And for this camera, it also fixes the issue where the Touch FN would sometimes not be available. So if you have any of these Nikon DSLRs, I highly recommend that you get over to Nikon's website, their support section, and download the firmware 1.1.0 and get it installed on any of these DSLR bodies that you might own. And now for all of my listeners that might be Sony shooters, I don't want you to feel like I'm leaving Sony out, that I only talk about Canon or Nikon on this show. Sony has recently released firmware version 5.0 for its flagship A9 mirrorless camera. The major software update brings AI-powered autofocus capabilities, better image quality, and workflow improvements. The AI-based autofocus first announced back in January of this year brings Sony's powerful new real-time tracking mode for fast and accurate subject tracking. It uses artificial intelligence-based object recognition to detect and follow subjects through the frame with unprecedented accuracy. Now, I was watching the other day a video by Jared Poland from Frono's Photo, and he has tested this new firmware extensively, and he said that the real-time tracking was just insanely, insanely accurate. He was testing out the, this new firmware, uh, filming a Flyers game in Philadelphia. And even when he was using the video feature and filming the hockey match, and he would have one player as his subject for his filming segment, and other players would come in and out of the frame, the A9's version 5 firmware would stay locked onto the primary subject of the video that he was shooting. The IAF can be activated with a half press of the shutter release, and it works even if the subject's eyes are temporarily obscured during shooting. If you want to see uh, an idea of how well the eye auto tracking works and how accurately it is, is at reacquiring the eye if the subject moves their head or turns around or something like that, you can see a simulated movie video clip on Petapixel's website. And I'll put the link to that in the show notes so you can check that out. So Sony is definitely raising the bar considerably with this new version 5.0 firmware update. They first released these new capabilities in the A6400 APS-C mirrorless body. And now those same capabilities are available on their A9, which is their flagship sports shooting DS, or, uh, mirrorless full frame body. It's capable of 20 frames per second. Now, I know I watched a lot of videos and read a lot of reviews when the A9 first came out. And even though when I had sent it, uh, con conversed with Tony uh, Northrup via email, he was telling me that it was extremely accurate. But I wasn't buying that at the time because, as I mentioned, I had been watching a lot of videos on YouTube by reputable photographers and reading a lot of blog posts on various um, highly reputable photography sites. And the consensus from most of those people was that the eye detect autofocus and the focus tracking were only about 54% accurate. So in other words, only 54% of the time would the tracking be completely accurate if you're trying to shoot any kind of sports. Well, according to Jared Poland, I don't have one of these cameras, so I can't test it out myself, but I trust Jared. I've, I've known him for a long time. And with this new version 5.0 firmware, 
the A9 is incredibly accurate at tracking moving subjects for any kind of sports, whether it's hockey, NASCAR, basketball, baseball, doesn't matter. The A9 now does a fantastic job of tracking and maintaining a lock on your primary subject, whether you're shooting stills or video. Now you can download the new firmware if you haven't already installed it. Just head over to Sony's website to download the update for Windows or Mac. And I will include both of those, or I will include those links in the show notes as well. So exciting times if you're a Sony A9 shooter. This is definitely a firmware update that you're going to want to grab. Now, on a final note, one final item that I wanted to talk about, Panasonic's S1R ties Nikon's D850 and the Sony A7R3 for top 35mm sensor, according to DxO Mark. Now, this is significant because most people, when they're thinking of these type of camera bodies, they're usually talking about Sony, Nikon, Canon, and the likes. But according to DxO Mark, the new Panasonic S1R actually has a sensor that is comparable in quality and performance to the Nikon D850, which is one of Nikon's top-of-the-line full-frame DSLRs, and the Sony a7R III, which is one of Sony's top full-frame mirrorless bodies. Now, according to the DxO Mark, while the Hasselblad X1D-50C and the Pentax 645Z medium format cameras remain number one and number two on the leaderboard respectively, the S1R received the same score of 100 that ranks it as the best sensor you can find on a full frame body. So this is pretty significant for any of my listeners that are shooting with Panasonic. Price-wise, the Panasonic S1R costs $36.98, while the Nikon D850 and Sony A7R III currently cost $29.97 and $27.98, respectively. So, although this new news from DxO Mark reveals that the Panasonic sensor is every bit as good as the sensor in the Nikon and the Sony, the Panasonic does sell for considerably more money. You're talking about a $1,000 higher price than the Sony, and you're talking about $800, $900 higher in price uh, over the Nikon D850, which is significant. So if you're already shooting Panasonic, you're probably going to stick with those. Panasonic shooters are fairly loyal to their uh, platform, as are Fuji shooters and most every other shooters out there. Um, you will occasionally see people bounce from like Canon or Nikon to Sony and back again, stuff like that. But the Pentax, Panasonic, those shooters, and Fuji, they tend to stick with their platform. They're extremely loyal. And some of them can be extreme fanboys and girls uh, as well when it comes to their preferred camera platform system. Well, that's about everything I wanted to cover on episode 19 of the Liam Photography Podcast. I want to thank my listeners again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in iTunes and anywhere else that you might listen to this podcast. Be sure to stop by the podcast Facebook group and 
request to join, uh, you are required to answer a single question, and that is, what is the name of the host of this podcast, which is myself, Liam Douglas. You can just put Liam or you can put Liam Douglas. Either one will do. And I do that to keep the spammers and bots out of the Facebook group. If you join the Facebook group, you'll not only know when new episodes are dropped, sometimes even before your devices notify you that the new episode has been released, but you're also free to converse with other photographers and people that just enjoy looking at photography, and you can also post your photos in the Facebook group. So I don't restrict it too heavily. You're free to post your beautiful images in the Liam Photography Facebook group. Also, be sure to check out liamphotographypodcast.com, where you can see all of the episodes, past and present, as well as the show notes. And I will see you next time in episode 20.